Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast. Your hosts are Wazza and Dan. Well, Dan, we're back on the winner's list, mate. That's it. Great to be here after a win, that's for sure. It's better than a loss, I tell you that. But we've got a lot to get through tonight, so hopefully you've listened to the whole show, guys. So we're going to get underway. Let's talk about Liam Ryan. We talked about him last week um, with a bingle with a car. A lot of lots been made about it, that it's still under police investigation and no one was really saying anything. Until today, Simo's come out and said he breached one of the club rules and the core values, so they had to suspend him and put him back to the waffle, and that was because he was out late at night having a drink. That's it. We kind of guessed that something had gone on and he was dropped for disciplinary reasons because he got the okay from the doctors and he wanted to play. Um, and I back 100% what the club has done, you know. They can't allow that. And he's got to realise in this pro- professional environment, you yep. can't do that. Um, I don't know if alcohol was the cause of the crash, if he blew over by the time it got done, but he was definitely drinking that night. That, They've released that now. That's a grey area because yeah. uh, it's under police investigation. Who knows? Um, you think if it was, it would have come out by now? Well, it um, does. It usually gets leaked straight away. So yeah. that's what makes me think he was drinking that night. Got in a scuffle, drove that morning early because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Could have still been over. Oh, definitely. I'm not saying he he wasn't, Mm. but yeah, like, but uh, either way, I'm still, you know, back the club and the process they've taken in this, and it's great. And it's good to see that Simo said he's still his bubbly self around the club. The boys are getting around him, and look, he'll learn from it. um, And hopefully next, well, let's hope he has a blinder at his Perth this week and he's back straight in. That's it, young adults. That you know, we all when we're kids, we're doing similar things. So yeah, we've all we've all done something. Hopefully, comes back stronger. (laughs) Oh look, there's plenty of rumours like it is at this time of the year, the silly season. The rumour is that Gaff has agreed to terms with the club and it's all but the ink drying on the contract for it to be announced. Let's hope it's true. Um, Carl Langdon was the one that broke the story and he's usually on the money with what he what he is. Well, yeah, let's be honest. We haven't hid the fact on this podcast. We've brought this up several times yep. from necessity because it keeps coming up in the media. But we've both agreed he's the signature we need. That's the one out we of, need. Yeah, out of all our three restricted free agents, including Gov, Gaff was the one we were unanimous saying we need to keep for our structure and he's uh, not as easily replaceable, so to speak. No disrespect to Lysett or Gov, though. but And it's true. And he's just gone from strength to strength this year. So We had a said Lysett, and today some rumours come out that Port Adelaide have made an offer to him or have approached him. And they were looking at a Ruckman, so that's interesting seeing he's from Adelaide. So that's going to be something that'll you know, unwind in the next couple of weeks and see where he's at. I'm hoping that uh, Lysett stays. He's always said he wants to be the number one Ruckman at a club, but he virtually he, he shares a role with Nick Nat anyway. So. And he's one of those Ruckmen that can kick a goal. Yep. Like, it, I say this, but I mean it in a positive spin where when he kicks on goal, he's 50-50. <laughs> like, is he going to convert or not? And that sounds like I'm having a shot, but it's the complete opposite with Ruckman. Some Ruckman will kick one out of four. Like, they're really not good shots. Uh, what I like about Lysett, and I saw it on again on the weekend, he, he loves selling the dummy. Yeah. He does it quite a bit now, and he's, it's good. He's quite an agile player <laughs> for a Ruckman. And just, but it's his 
we, we talked about uh, one of our very earlier podcasts was uh, when he's come out this year, people forgot how aggressive he is and how he loves to tackle and put that pressure on. And it was evident again on the weekend. And he's one of those players that he's now kind of proven himself as a genuine Ruckman and he could hold that number one mantle. And Ruckman are very iffy to draft. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, if he does elect to leave, we, we need to get something good for him. Well, there's other rumours around, and it's and it's going to happen this time of year. Always does, and we're going to hear some bizarre ones. One that was doing the rounds on the weekend again, and it's been brought up a few times. This is about Sam Mitchell. He's selling his house, going back to Victoria, and hopefully landing a job at either the Blues or the Saints, because they're the only ones really that would probably be looking for a coach. Even though Saints is as uh, Richardson till twenty twenty, but on top of that rumour, people were saying that Schofield from Subiaco is likely to leave at the end of the year after they win another grand final because they will win the grand final this year. But it's more likely he'll head to Port Adelaide than the Eagles because his son is a, an academy player in the under-16s and one of the best prospects in, in the state. So maybe the Eagles missed a boat there trying to get him last year. They probably didn't try hard enough. Well, that's it. We did actually go for him last year. Um, And he's just got such a good footy mind. And... The thing with Sam Mitchell, he's got so much potential as a senior coach. But I'm one for do your do your apprenticeship, so to speak. Because, yeah, he's done the one year, but I think that's still too early. Like, Voss and Hurd, you know, great players, went in senior coaches with very little actual coaching experience or at least coaching at the top level. And neither one worked out too well, did it? We all well, look at Voss. Stories. He was the last person to come to us. He signed for us and then left before he that, even started. Yeah, that's so. it. He, um, he was there. But that's what I mean. He comes there and a great footy mind to do his apprenticeship. See, I reckon even just two years being an assistant coach, I think helps you out so much more. Oh, yeah. Um, and I even like what Cox did going to Sydney because yeah. then you're not like you're not getting your apprenticeship, so to speak, under one coach. So you see teams, different philosophies and different you know aspects of how different coaches do their thing. Um, and then I just think you come out of it as a better coach. Yeah. But Sam Mitchell, I think it's a matter of time before he's a senior coach, let's be honest. Well, you know, I always thought he would have stayed here, done his four years, yeah. and maybe becomes the next coach of the Eagles down the line if Simo, I don't know. But like we said, little ream has gone on about. Um, there's the one about Tim Kelly still returning to WA. His manager come out and sort of like put to bed a few little things today. But he didn't really let on anything at, at all, really. So that's still up in the air. And either way, if he comes back, West Coast and Freo are going to have to give up a lot to get him. Well, that's the thing with Tim Kelly. Yeah, I want him. But how old is he? Do you know 25, 25 next year? So he's 25, 25 next year. year yeah. yeah. So 25 next year. Um, we'll have to trade away a future pick or a second pick and probably a player. And I don't... I, that doesn't sit well with me. I would love him at the club. But you don't want to spend too much on really any player nowadays. Well, I thought about it, and that's why I look at the draft watch that we've got going on TNG now. I did it last year. It's got Dare to Draft, changed it to Draft Watch, and now I just find out somebody else is using that as well. <laughs> but there's a guy called Luke English that I like the look of. I look the look of. Jeez. Um, he was in the All-Australian Under-18s this year. He was the uh, fairest and best in the Colts competition last year. He also got the Coaches Award last year. And he is compared to 
Mr. Prittis. That's it. He's um got a tiny bit more pace than Prittis, but he yep. just works so hard. Um, and and oh. the the game where uh, Jared, young Jared, kicked um, his five goals. Five goals. Yeah. English was a bit undersold in that game because everyone was talking about Cameron. Now, English had a great game. He had a great Bru- series. Brilliant game, yeah. yeah. So he's a player where that's who we want with our first pick. And he'll fall in between 16 and 26, I reckon. That's my prediction. Oh, I'm probably going to be wrong, like half the people that predict half the things like that. But you got him to look at. So I'd rather look at him than bring Tim Kelly back now. Last, if you said that to me 12 months ago, I would have said you got rocks in your head. But that's what I'd be looking at. You've always said go to the draft. I reckon we still got to go to the draft. Uh, Jared Cameron is aligned to our academy, so we can pick him up. If anyone bids on him, we have to take him in the draft. Yep. But if not, we can pick him up as a rookie. So That's that's the great thing about Cameron, um, is that you've, you've summed up exactly. We just won't pick him till someone else does. Yeah. That's basically what we're going to do. So we might not have to take him early. English is the one for me as well. And you are right. I do always say, let's go to the draft. You know, you don't want this gaping hole where when your senior players retire, you've got a gap somewhere because that's when you bottom out. Yeah. And that's how some teams avoid bottoming out is that they do hit the draft. Um, I look at Geelong. They put Dangerfield. They got Ablett. You know, they, they do these things. Um, and it doesn't necessarily... Uh, is it Stanley, the Ruckman they got to? Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily work that way, you know. And you, I feel when you do it that way, you put all your eggs in one basket. And this is why, you know, everyone... And, you know, Tim Kelly's having a great year. But people are going to understand he's a fifth or sixth midfielder in their team and you can't tag them all or you can't run them with them all. I'd love to see a game where he is actually taking out the game buy a run with or a tagger play and that's where you might get the gist of whereabouts he actually is he's in a real good team um will he do the same thing in another team will he get that much freedom at the eagles or at Fremantle? that's what people have got to consider when you you want to trade for other players it's like gaff yeah. somebody said on uh sen it's like um if you went to melbourne or that he probably couldn't play the same role as he does at the eagles that's it like Different structures in every side. Yeah. That's why usually when you get a player, they're not that standout player that you want or you expected in the first year. It takes usually the second years when they're really comfortable. And don't get me wrong, I, w- I want Tim Kelly. Oh, I'm not I saying it. I don't want him. But for me... But what do you give up for it? Well, that's it. He was a second-round pick, and he's producing pretty much what I expected. So a second-round pick, but you'd need a bit of a sweetener. So maybe like a future third-round pick swapping with a fourth-round pick just to up yep. Geelong's uh, picks. So it might be a swap of picks something like that on top of a second-round pick. Uh, we will have two second rounds this year, so hopefully we could get English as well because yeah, we've got, got sons. Pick 22 and 34 from memory. I can't remember. As it sits, because we're so high up, yeah. our pick will be quite high. Yeah. But then sons finishing down the bottom, we will have quite a good pick yeah. first up. Well, just before we get on to the game, we'll talk about uh, uh, the Derby medal. It was confirmed that it will be called the Glendinning Allen medal. And, you know, probably Freo will crack the shits that it's not the other way around, Allen Glendinning medal. But that's the way it is. But personally, I thought it would have been a good time for the Eagles to take Glendinning's name out of the Derby and chuck it West Coast versus North in their game, seeing everyone has a game where there's a medal or a bloody trophy, which is ridiculous. That's it. Um... But... At the end of the day, they've done it. Um, 
let's we we can move on from it now because that's sealed. So hopefully there's no more problems with it. <laughs> oh, beg your pardon. See, I won't waffle on too much about this because it's being said, but it still doesn't sit well with me. Glenn Denning was picked because he was a West Australian great. He wasn't necessarily a great for the Eagles. He won his Brownlee, he plays best footy at North Melbourne, you know, and he had affiliations with both clubs. He came when we first, you know, yeah. first joined the comp, and then he was behind the scenes at Freo for a couple of years. So that was it. It was a WA great, and he has a background at both clubs. Yeah. So it doesn't sit well because we didn't pick an Eagle great. We didn't go, right, we want an Eagle great. And who is Alan? I know he's the inaugural captain of Fremantle, yeah. but what what did you know? These plays like, it's not our fault. You don't have the history and the heritage yet. Yeah. Like you can't blame us. And I just feel like they threw the toys out the cot and wanted to go home. Well, at the end of the day, it was between the two clubs and the WAFC, and they both agreed to it. But we've moved on, and now we can move on for sure because Eagles are going to smash them when that comes up again, and I can't wait. Uh, let's get into the game that we just won. It's the final siren. All right, as I said at the start of the show, Eagles back on the winning list. They won 13 goals, 8 86 to the GWS, 10 goals, 15 75. Riola kicked two, Hutchings two, Cripps two, Gaff two, McGovern two, and Greater Western Sydney. They had Tomlinson who got three, Himmelberg got two, and the rest of the guys were all singles. Um, it was another game, 50,000 plus. It was 52,105, so still creating records there. Uh, look, 24, no, 23 points up in a time on in the third quarter, and then it happened again. The Eagles went to sleep again. I was sitting there, not again. This is deja vu. Is this going to be another thing that we're going to sit there and go, what if? Um, then they got two goals on the other side of the fourth quarter. I don't know. I, I was starting to worry. Well, yeah, you can't help but do that, especially when we got so many big guns out. But what a great game to watch. That's because as a support, Eagles supporter, it was so worrying and you almost had a sick feeling. But if you were a neutral fan of the game, brilliant game, a spectacle to watch. It was brilliant. Um, every there were so many rules change ruined by umpires. But. Well, that's it. One of their free kicks was just a ridiculous call in front of goal. Um, not not just for the Eagles. It, it went both ways. It, it There's did, a couple but, in front of me that I just well, I was astounded. I just couldn't believe it, especially I, when the umpire could see it. I honestly but that think one in the they, goal square was. I think they are uh, fed into the noise of affirmation. Before <laughs> this game, they said the AFL was investigating it with the AFL umpires why it's happening and there's no the the free kicks in that game was so below par and the usual how many there is the average per game but there was just things like there were a couple really bad push in the backs and commentators don't usually talk about umpires but it was so they were so shocked by some of these calls that straight away reflex they said it like Shuey when he was running into an open goal it was a blatant push in the back and they called it Ainsworth. He fell yeah. into his back in his yeah, knee. I saw that. And then obviously the Cole one, which is the one I was talking yeah. about late in the game, which was horrible. But yeah, just a great game to watch. So many league changes. And it was one of those things where it was like every time we looked like we might break away, they'll get goals. Every time they took the front and looked like they might, you know, win the game, we then stole it back. So it was a real good game and there was no excuse from either side because we did have injuries. But the greatest thing I found with this game is our midfield actually won 
I, yeah, I that, they, they stood up and when it counted. That's unbelievable. Forty-one to Gaff, and we thirty-two to Shuey, thirty-two to Red, and thirty-two to Yo. And yep. Hutchings tagged Kelly pretty much out of the game. He's affected for so low. Yeah, well, that's it. And you know, Gaff got two goals, Red got a goal too. So our midfielders were kicking goals, and it, that's not what I would have picked. You know that that's where we're going to win it because that's their strength as a midfield. And we and went toe to toe, and I feel like they didn't show us respect, and that's how they lost the game. They didn't respect our midfield because they thought they've got the better one, and yeah. it, they got shown up. And I was at the ground, and you see things differently than you do when you watch on TV. And one thing I was noticing, I was sitting there going, what's Willie Rioli doing? And, I, I, you know, you sit there and go, well, he didn't do anything to half-time, and then he kicked a goal, and then he kicked the sealer, basically, that got us over the line. Um, but he did a lot of defensive stuff, and he was pretty good. And people just don't see it enough because it's not regarded as a stat, unless you have a look at the stats and his defensive pressure. Um, some players I'm going to give a little bit of a bake to later on, but let's go on to about what worked and didn't work. Jeremy Govan was wasted in attack, I think. Um, I know he had to put somebody up there, but at halftime he had three possessions and not one mark. And to me, it just didn't work. Luckily, in the second half, he got that last goal where we advantage and he got another goal but to me it just didn't work uh what's your view on that mate? well we'll talk about the ins very soon but he'll be moved back now um it was a lack of choice why he was up there and he did get the two goals so that's a lot of forwards opportunists um but i'm so glad you mentioned the rioli thing that was such good coaching from simpson because he played on shore yeah. and he didn't get much of all because he was running short to the wing in no man's land so he sacrificed his own game to take shore out of it um, and, and people don't see that and exactly they, sit there and go, oh, what's he doing, what's he doing but when you have a look at the person he was on and the, how he limited it that person's effectiveness it was, it was a good game um, Nick Nat Nui oh, all week, m- myself included was saying he wasn't going to play let's be honest with our members if he saw, he saw if he's not, say he's going to play last minute, he's named what a, it, it basically didn't do much in the first half but in the second half, it was just like unbelievable. He just snapped. And when he took that mark, oh, that crowd is so loud. But when he took that mark, it was unbelievable. It lifted. And I think the whole team lifted. What a great game. And I think I'm so glad he played because this was the game to get your form back. Yep. You're not playing against a Sam Jacobs. You're not playing against a Bell Chambers. You're not playing against his big physical ruck. And you're the far superior ruck. And God, he did well. And... It was interesting listening to David King during the week. And I'll tell you what, he says some stupid things, David King. I'm not a huge fan, but I'm slowly, he's, he's slowly working in my good boot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. He's got, a, you know, lots to like, live up to, hasn't he? Like, you know, <laughs> I'll set the bar very high for him. But what he said, and they were rating Ruckman. Now, one of them, I've forgotten his name, so sorry about that. But it was, they said Grundy, uh, Gorn, and Nick Nat. The first one's gone. Uh, Grundy, Gorn, Nick Nat. Now, I thought this was probably the smartest thing I've ever heard King said. He said, no, I'd go Nick Nat, Gorn, Grundy. He said, with Gorn and Grundy, their strengths, you can limit. They're possession getters. That's what makes them good players. Yeah. They said, you can nullify that in a game. What Nick Nat brings to the side, you can't nullify. How do you nullify someone's tap? How do you nullify their pressure? How do you nullify their clearances? And 
he was 100% right. Yep. Um, you can't nullify that. You can't nullify his impact. Yeah, they will get, on average, six more disposals, but you can put a run with player basically on them yep. and shut them out of the shut game so they're not going to get that. And I just thought that was one of the smartest things I think I've actually heard from anyone about that debate. And I didn't, never actually thought of that that way myself. Yep. And I thought that's almost genius way to put it. Like. I've always thought, you know, Nick Nat might not take as many marks, he might not do this, but what he does at ground level and his pressure is unbelievable. And, um, yeah, a lot of people are tra- starting to see it. Look, quick little guy, Andrew Gaff, it was his best game, second best game ever on possessions, 41 touches. Uh, like you said earlier, yo, yo, 32 Possessions, four clearances. He had a great metres game he was, to over 600 or something. He's the barometer, like I've always said. Luke Shuey, I said last week in the podcast, he had to stand up. Yep. And he did. He had 12 clearances, the most on the ground. And Shannon Hearn, I don't give a shit what anyone says. That guy is in career best form. And he did a, a punch with a... It was better than a kick out of defence. And then two minutes later, he kicked out of defence. And it saved two goals. And to me, that guy is just un, underrated. But when Dangerfield comes out in the media and says that guy should be All-Australian captain, maybe people might start standing up and have a good look at Shannon Hearn. Uh, I actually was a bit worried about this um, player takeover. On, for anyone that hasn't got Fox Towns, player takeover week. Yep. So on the couch, all these footy shows that players are actually hosting. And you got the players' perspective. They got rid of the Vic Biased which I found amazing. I have never heard them talk about the Eagles so much as I have this week. The only time they'll talk about the Eagles is usually when they can have a shot at us and we play bad footy yeah. or off-the-field incidents. But they did. They gave such a rap on Hearn. Um, they talked about Nick Nat. And again, those three were like, they laughed at the doubters of Nick Nat. They go, no one understands when you play on him. It's all knick-knack centric. He goes, there's no ruckman. And they're laughing about it, saying yeah. that can tap the ball to... They said, you get taps advantage, but a knick-knack tap to advantage is when you're running full pelt and it's just delicately placed in your chest. <laughs> like, and you just got to look at some of the players. Oh. I remember Joel Salwood shaking his head going, what the... F- how did yeah. you do that? Um, Sid, um, Greater Western Sydney, they had some great players. That Callum Ward, if I had to pick a player from another club, it would be him. That guy, he's just—he's the embodiment of Greater Western Sydney. When he plays good, they lift with him, and he was brilliant for them. And people were talking about Coniglio was probably best on ground for them. Well, I thought Cullen Ward was by a long shot. Um, I thought Rory Lowe did pretty good. He um, did very well, Lowe. You know, um, he looked different in those three-quarter sleeve uh, jumpers as well. Silly man. A bit, bit different. Um, but... You know, you've got to give credit to Greater Western Sydney. They took it up to us, and if they won, they would have been in the eight, but now they dropped back to 10th. Eagles have won. They're sitting third. We'll talk about that later on, but they need percentage. One player that has been probably attacked more than any other player on social media and will do for probably the rest of his career, Lewis Jetta. Six touches in the first five minutes, I thought, oh my God, this guy's going to have a blinder. And the crowd lifts. When when Jetta gets bored, the crowd lifts. But his body language for the rest of the game was absolutely deplorable. Um, some missed tackles, and it's his second efforts, and people see it, and then they, they zone in on it. And I hate it, because people are going to think about Lewis Jetta for that instead of all the good stuff. 
late in the last quarter, he did three precise kicks that set up goals, and they were brilliant. And but people just see that lack of intent. And I heard it at the ground on the weekend. I was thinking maybe it's just not me. Oh, I heard it at the ground. People were just screaming out, you know. Um, I hope Lewis can turn it around with his intent because everything else he's done is, is bloody brilliant. And he's in the team because he's still in the best 22. You've took the wings out of my sails a bit there, was it? Because I, I was going to talk about this. Um, as fans, because I agree what you say, but I'll elaborate a bit from my perspective. As fans, we tend to focus on what a player can't do compared to what he can do. Yep. Now, Lewis Jeddah is known for his elite kicking. And this is why I didn't waffle on about Hearn before, because I wanted to talk about that, basically. Having Jetta in that back line and having Hearn in that back line two elite kicks of the AFL it carves they kick and carve through the middle they'll go to the wing they very rarely their disposal efficiency is amazing and it sets up so much play for the Eagles and from the back half it sets up scoring opportunities yeah. so I think that's Lewis... why he's in the best 22 and uh, I think you're a fan of chucking him forward but I find no he's got to stay in the back because that's where that kick's damaging oh, yeah, the because kick's it won't be as damaging for because he'll it, get tagged out the game I'd like to see him up forward just to see what he could do because because of that he's damaging Yeah. but if he's in the back line he just probably just got to get more of the ball you know he's averaging about 12-13 possessions a game if he could raise it to 17-18 oh I've, mate that's I think, amazing. If you, I, 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 you know, I'd be happy as, and I think a lot of people might get off his back. Uh, before we go into the next segment, TNG Eagle of the Year, which we do on our, our Facebook page, our discussion page. The vote winners were Gaff 3, Hearn 2 and Yo 1, and Gaffy's leading now by a mile with 17 over Yo. Um, and in the tipping, well, Shell from West Coast Eagles for life. She ended up winning the round, so she's jumped back in the top five. And Dodgy Dodgy's jumped back in the top spot, knocked Nick Nat Hearn back off the off the perch, and uh, only because he forgot to tip the Port Adelaide game. So if you do do tipping, guys, with us, make sure you get an email or you check your tipping. Let's get into the revolving door. The revolving door. All the stats that matter at the Royals. Well, there was no game at um, the Royals this week, or the East Perth, or what they're, they're known as. And soon it won't be East Perth, it'll just be the Eagles we're talking about <laughs> with their own, own team, I hope. But that's another story. Um, it was medical room. Let's have a look at it. Tommy Barassi is a test. Jack Darling is a test. Callan England is a test. Mark Lacroix is a test. Carpenter is a test. Kennedy is a test. Now, today, Vozo said they have to tick a few more boxes before they can play. So, are they a test or aren't they? Because the week before, Lacroix was three weeks. Carpenter was two weeks. Uh, Rotham, he was a week, but he's a test again. Um, who's telling the truth here? Um, JK said him and Darling should be ready to play and they want to play so it's basically up to the medicals um, Tommy Brass at training said he's definitely playing from what I've heard with Lacroix through one of the guys from one of the other podcasts Gaffy he uh, said that it's sort of do with the risk guard that he's got so if he can get free training with that he'll play uh, Alango's two weeks still and Fraser McGuinness they kept this quiet he's got a hammy yeah, they kept that very quiet, actually. Um, 
the the box they've got to tick is training tomorrow morning. Oh, so you obviously can't see what we're doing. I've got a big smile on my face because this injury list, if this is legit, this is a great sign. Oh, it's a great sign. With these players out, we just had to tread water and we had to get a win. It was crucial to get a win in this time. Now, we've got that against GWS. If we can keep these players on the park from here on out, I always talk about rebuilding. We'll be pushing the best teams in the competition, I have no doubt. And I did a little promo for the show before we you come here to do the show tonight, and I said, not since Beatlemania has <laughs> the Fab Four been anticipated so much. And it's true, because if we get Barras, Darling, Lacroix and Kenny back, which I don't think we'll get all four, but that will lift our spirits a lot more. And it'll take... Um, the hoodoo that we're playing against Magpies, which we'll talk about a bit later, probably it'll even it up and it'll close the gap. Yeah, well, in the perfect world, what I'm thinking is you get Darling, Josh Kennedy, Barras, Lacroix back, but I'll chuck in She too with his 34, special, uh, 34 disposals. From the last game. And get the mature body. He's still a young kid, but mature body. Um, Can against you... it. And to me, that's like amazing. Five players that are proven good players. The only thing is, the players I would then cut is people won't be happy with because we like to see these young kids get games. But Vardy will have to go. All right. Venables, Archie, Ainsworth, and then Scoey down back. So that's five players. So, bring five in. Uh, that, I agree with those five. But can you have Sheed and Hutchings in the same team? They do pretty much the yeah, same role. I think... See, the thing with uh, Sheed is he'll get stints in the middle yep. and they'll rotate him off like the half-forward a lot, um, kind of like Archie's role, um, or Ainsworth going in the guts. He'll Sheed's going to take Ainsworth. Or Did you say Oscar Allen in that vibe? No, because I'm trying to keep him in because I cut so many uh, so you, players there. So you're going to cut a guy that's got experience over a one-gamer. So you're going to take Schofield out for Brass. Uh, no, no, well, Schofield comes out. Yeah, that's for Yep. Right, so who are the other ones for four? You, you, All right, who are they so then Vardy's for Josh Kennedy. Yep. Okay. Lacroix was chucking Archie because yep. they've been playing up forward. Ainsworth has almost been paid forward or back. That'll be... Um, That'll be kind of sheed, you know. She, they, right. they, they rotate. They rotate a bit. And then, sorry, I don't think I got to 5-4. And Venables as well. He didn't impact well. And see, he played deep forward as well. Yeah. So, Waterman was dropped and we brought in a small. So, we haven't exactly gone like for like, but we don't really need to. Um, so, basically, you've got Archie, Venables, Vardy, all kind of playing locking forwards. Then, say, the Ainsworth in the middle of half-forward. Say, Kennedy or Darling... Don't come up, one of them. Do you keep Vardy in the team, and or do you bring Waterman in? Uh, uh, Waterman, I want to go to East Perth, give him a bit of a rest and get some experience. But no, I wouldn't keep Vardy. In. Sorry, Chris, I want him in. Dan doesn't. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Waterman, I'm a massive fan of, yeah. but he did look tired, and he's a young kid. It's his first senior. He needs a rest. Well, look, I agree with all of what you said. I think. Oscar might get the chop butt for some reason. He could do, I hope he but... Doesn't. I hope he doesn't, because what he showed me, he wasn't a world beater, but some of the one centres he did, like that... The smother? The smother Beautiful. that stopped the goal. That was just brilliant. And just his attack, and he was he was like... He, like he was made to be there, and yeah. he, he wasn't overawed, and I hope they... And, you know, I'm a big fan of Scoey, yeah. 
but I hope they do keep Oscar and cut Scully. Well, that's the thing. Barras is the full back. But see, I cut so much youth, I wanted to leave a little bit there. You know what I mean? Yeah. With Ainsworth and Venables going, and we'll chuck Archie in there. He's not exactly young, is he? But for the Eagles, he's new to our setup. Yeah, well, I would have dropped him as well. All right, let's get on to the game that really matters. It's bounce down. The Magpies, mate. Everyone hates this team. We have to win. We've got a hoodoo. We haven't won there for 23 years at the G against Pies. That's 10 that we haven't won. Well, that's it, but it goes to show we don't get many games there as well. 10 over 25 years. Yep. On average, we don't even play there once every two years against It's our second uh, worst um, away record um, against them. But it's our 50th game against the Pies. 24 each. We've won. And a draw. So whoever wins goes ahead. So that was interesting to know. Yeah, I, I actually saw that stat too. Yeah, it was a funny one to see. So it's like, you've got this hoodoo against us at MCG, but... That's that's it. Eddie had you don't, you know. Mm. Over here you don't. It's just there. Yeah. So it's going to be hard for us to win, but I know we can do it. Um, Pies are number one in disposals. They got they averaged four hundred and eleven a game. We're sixteenth, three hundred and fifty two. So they like to keep the ball a lot. Um, they've won the last two out of the five, but they've both been over at East. One was at Eddie had by, I think it was. Eight points, and we were up at three-quarter time. And the one before that was MCG. So, um, look, um, let's have a look at the medical room. Aish is a test. Uh, Blair, he's a test. Broomhead, he's out for the year. Lyndon Dunn, that probably works in our favour. He's out yep. for the season. Uh, Jamie Elliott, he could come back in. He's a test. He'd be a big uh, in for them if he can come in. For Solo, he's a test as well. Gold sack, he's basically out for this end of the year. Uh, Darcy Moore, maybe they might be tempted to bring him in, seeing we've got a tour defence. If they do, I reckon that works in the Eagles' favour. And Trelaw's out for eight weeks, and Daniel Wells is out for the season as well. So they've got their fair share of injuries. Um, if they lose, they'll use that as an excuse. I know they of will. Of course they will. Hoskin Elliott could be an out. He hurt his knee against Essendon, but... They're saying he'll probably win. Yeah, we'll have a look. We'll see. Yeah, Elliot and Fasolo and Blair, they'll probably come back through the VFL. So it's going to be interesting on who they actually play. But Ahudo is there to get over, and I think we can do it for some reason. Well, some, that's if we have our Fab Four in. Well, yeah, I'm talking yeah. as if these tests are in. That's the way yeah. I'm approaching this, this segment. Um... I don't care where Pies sit on the ladder. They It was unanimous <laughs> a decision that they had the easiest fixture out of any club. They've only beaten one team in the top eight. Um, I don't know how to rate them, to be honest. Yeah, they sit second in the ladder, but they've got a better percentage than us, and that's it. So I love this. To me, this is a great test for us because I think they are being so heavily overrated. This is a team that lost to Richmond. And it would have been an MCG, so technically that's their home. Now, when we played Richmond at home, we beat them by 47 points. Yeah. And I know that you can't really look at footy at that aspect because every game is different. You're not going to smash every team. You'll lose te to teams that you should be beat. Um, but, yeah, I, even on the second ladder, I don't rate them. And I don't know how I actually should rate them when they haven't got a scalp. I don't know what scalp they've got. Well, you have a look at it. 
them in Richmond have played the least out of state, out of Victoria this year. Yep. They've had only played three outside of uh, Victoria, and they've only got two more to play outside of Victoria. Now, they probably, I haven't had a look at the fixture, but it's probably Sydney. Yeah. Um, and when they've been on the, their current ladder positions, they've only beaten two teams in eight, and they were seven for eight at the time. All the rest have been under. So it, it's a winnable game for the Eagles, but I think it just comes down to this hoodoo thing at the G. Yep. And until West Coast can win at the G, everyone's going to talk about it. And until they win constantly there, and against other teams other than Malm or the Blues, which have beaten the most of times there, it's time for the Eagles basically to stand up and say, well, where are the real deal? We can win anywhere. That's why I'm really actually looking forward to this game. Um, it'll be, no matter who wins, it's a good scalp to get. Yeah. I don't really rate them, but they are second on the ladder. And when you're competing for that spot with someone, it's a good scalp to get. But I just don't think they're the quality of some sides below them. I really don't. I rate GWS higher yeah, well, than I, I would there. But the ladder does not reflect that at I, all. I do like the way Collingwood have played this year. They've taken the game on a bit more compared to last year. Um, I've always joked with friends that are Magpie fans that Buckley is cursed. <laughs> and I hope he still is. But um, look, if we put our best foot forward, it, it's a beatable game. Um it's going to be interesting if the noise of affirmation with the Collingwood crowd plays a part in it. And I love this noise of affirmation because it goes both ways. Um, they can say it over here, but it goes over there as well. It's interesting to know that if Eagles fans hated number 21 umpire from last week... Don't say it. I know where you're going He is umpiring yeah. this game. I just... <laughs> like, there's no rule that... Umpires need to play the exact same amount of free kicks. Eagles don't. We don't do off-the-ball stuff. We're not exactly a dirty side. We don't go to the tribunal often because we don't give away yeah. stupid free kicks. I'm joking about the umpires. It's a hard job and it's, you know, I wouldn't want to be an umpire if you paid me to. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it because it's... Yeah. I disagree. They are horrible. <laughs> I hated that game. And I feel like it it's almost taboo, like, slam umpires or oh, every fan does that. But when the commentators who are neutral or almost yeah. against your team are saying the exact same thing, reflecting what you're seeing, it brings a lot of perspective. Nick Del Sano said it on radio earlier on in the week. He said, as a player, you never notice the umpires when you're playing the game, regardless if it's a one-sided umpiring game. He goes, but as an observer, when you're sitting in a commentary box, you see things a lot different. And he goes, it was just a bit of a weird thing that a player doesn't really see the effects, but the fans, and that's why we probably react the way we do. All right, winner and a margin, mate. I reckon he was by 27 points. Yeah. Ooh, as I said, I'm confidence. approaching this that's with all our players back, and I listed five players that I, I rate highly coming back. All right. I'm predicting three players to come back, not four or five. Um, in saying that, if I had my tipping hat, I'd be saying Collingwood. Only just by like eight points. But someone's telling me that Eagles are going to cause what the media probably will call like an upset and get over the hoodoo and win by probably about 13 or 14. I reckon it's going to be a tight game. I reckon it's going to be a shootout just because... Um, the averages, I think it was uh, Collingwood is the average 93 points game, Eagles 91. Yep. And it's not going to be one of these Sydney-like type games where they try and drag each other in. It's going to be an open game. So that works in Eagles' favour. So 
Eagles fans, fingers crossed, the Fab Four come in, we can win. Can we win without those Fab Four? No. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree 100%. Like, as I said, that whole segment, I, I approach yeah. that as in we get the players that are test being tested yeah. back. All right. Let's go into Under the Pump. Under the Pump. All right. The part where we have a little bit of a bake or a roast or whatever you want to call it, under the pump, mate. I don't really have one, but I might tag along on yours. Uh, yeah, this might be a bit of a bizarre one for our frequent listeners because I'm reiterating uh, almost several uh, topics I've thrown under the pump already this year, uh, either yourself or myself. And the reason I'm bringing them back up now is during the week, the stats were released where you take Perth Stadium out, Attendance records at every game is down yep. overall. Viewers on TV is down as well. So that's the main reason they're looking at bringing his own because they want to change the brand of footy and the type of footy. They're saying it's an ugly type of footy. Now, this irks me for one reason. Don't look at the game and what you change the game. Look at how you're running the game. We talk about Vic Biased all the time on it, and it's just so evident. Uh, the grand finals every year. I think supporters in general, because it's not a Vic competition anymore, are just getting sick of it. I think they're getting sick of this bias and blatant bias. Um, and we'll leave the grand final thing to the side because we've spoken about that several times, and it is what it is. We can't change that no matter how it doesn't sit comfortably with us. Um, but you look at Carlton. Carlton are a horrible, struggling side that play a horrible brand of footy because they're not good enough to play an exciting brand. Uh, if you want any evidence that, look at our game. They had to flood the congest, the clearances, yep. the whole game. So it was a grind. Now, they've had six primetime games, or they will bite into it. And by that, it's Friday night games or the Thursday ones that will be opening the season, kind of thing. And is that why the attendances are down? That's my point. And this and is why I'm throwing. Don't TV look rating. at the game. Look at how you're running the game. Yep. And you're only getting that because you're a Vic club. Look, yep. You're a Vic player. Now... I'm not just saying it's them. If you want more evidence, St Kilda are playing this Friday. St Kilda are playing next Friday. They haven't played finals in years, so why are they in prime times? And without looking round by round, they had good Friday game against North Melbourne. So that's three Friday night games St Kilda have got. Now, I mentioned just briefly before that supporters are getting sick of it. I know for a fact my brother is more into ice hockey right now. He was an avid footy fan. And he, he doesn't even sugar. He says it's just he's sick of the biased football. He says it's such a biased and backwards comp. So I know for a fact people and fans are leaving the game. Shout out to Ryan, I'm by gonna, the way, if he's listening. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. We say Vic biased, but they say we're winners. That's because, the problem. You can't right? do anything about so it. So you can't do anything about it. The, um, the viewing and the attendances, marquee teams... Like St Kilda, they've perceived last year to be a team that's going to go up the ladder, but unfortunately hasn't happened. So they give them the prime time. They look at Melbourne as well. You know, they're, they're teams that uh, looked at that uh, are going to climb the ladder. So they give them the prime time spots. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they have to look at it because if it keeps going the way it's gone, it's just going to go down and down and down with attendances and viewing. They've got to give more interstate teams a bit of the pie and what I'm talking about here is something that you haven't touched on is MCG um, training this week Eagles can't train there but they just signed a, a 40 year old deal 
field 2047 or something, but all clubs can train on there for once, you know, before the game. But now the Eagles, only two months into it, can't train there because there's a game there the next in the previous morning or the previous day. Why can't they train the previous morning? It's not gonna. It's not gonna break the braids of glass, is it? Grass. Great point, was it? That's actually a brilliant point because it's true. They denied us to train there during the week, and then they denied us on the weekend as well. So it, again, it's just this bias. Comp- so no wonder why fans are getting sick of this sport and turning to different sports. It's just happening. And with the Saints thing, yeah, they could be looked at coming on the rise. But uh, Gillen Anderson, he mentioned before that. You got to earn the right for these primetime games. Saints, they think are on the rise. They still haven't earned it. So I just look back at that and think you just you're saying things that you think people want to hear, and then you're just doing something else. Yeah, like I said, it's never going to change. But we'll just keep bringing it up. Um, the MCG training just peed me up the wall. That's what I was going to talk about. I've chucked it in there. Um, get it right, guys. You're going to sign a contract. Um, back it up and let people train there. Uh, look, guys, it's probably been a long show, so hopefully you've enjoyed it. Um, listen to all Eagles podcasts out there. There's uh, the Go Footy, there's Winging It, there's Eagles Back Chat, there's Toast to Coast, there's heaps of them out there. The more Eagles podcasts, the better. Hopefully we get the news out to them. I um, want to push this a lot more. We've got the Nest coming up at September, which is a video cast, which uh, involves me and Dan and a couple of other guys off the TNG uh um, Facebook pages um, so join us on uh, Instagram at TNG underscore podcast we're on Twitter at TNG underscore pod and we're on Facebook at TNG underscore pod um, join us and send in your questions and keep doing what you're doing and uh, keep following us yeah just one thing quick before I go we'll make this very quick and it only just uh, I saw an Eagles member sticker on the way here how are you sitting now that you've got used to the new logo We'll keep it brief. I love the new logo. I it's grown on me. I actually prefer it now. I reckon it's the best one they've ever had. And when we first uh, saw it, it was a bit iffy because it was changed. Very but round and It took me about four weeks and I was into it. And yeah. I never liked the original one. The second one was a little bit better. And yeah, I love this one. I reckon it kicks ass. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't like change, so it took me a while to get used to it. Once I got used to it, I'm the same. I, I think like we it. might put that on uh, Watch Your View for next week and we'll see. I think so, We'll yeah. bring that next week, boys and girls and ladies and gents and children. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're the Next Generation Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And next week, hopefully we come to you with a big win over the Magpies. Catch you later. Craft leads the charge. Now Nelson, beautifully read by.